Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It is the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard here on 560 The Joe over the past 24 hours, and it is a feel good Friday. So, gonna make you feel good with some good reggae music on the way. You will say, Irie. Also, Joe Rose Show, touching base with Mike Florio about what's happening in the NFL. Dan Levitard Show, they're getting into the whole Marlins-Mets baseball situation. The Mets, whoo, it's kind of messy. Then Hawk and Crowder, they're on vacation, but no worries. My man, Alex Dano in the house. He talks the U and the huge recruiting they're doing with Andrew Ivins. Right now, let's do some huge Headlines, NBA players have decided to resume the playoffs after boycotting games due to Jacob Blake's shooting. Restart will be tomorrow. The Marlins and Mets observed 42 seconds of silence last night, then walked off the field to protest injustice. Miami is scheduled to play Tampa tonight at 7. Recent power rankings have the Dolphins 24 out of 32 teams this upcoming season. Super Bowl champs Kansas City ranked number 1. Chase Smith has committed to the 2021 Miami class. The four-star linebacker recruit is the son of former Kane tight end Willie Smith. Hall of Fame basketball coach Lute Olson has passed away at 85. The former national championship winning Arizona coach was hospitalized last year after a stroke and was recently moved to hospice. Andrew Iguodala has rebuked President Trump's criticism of the league's protest of injustice, saying the NBA is not a political organization, but rather a human organization. Quarterback Xavier Howard has returned to practice for the Dolphins. Miami opens in New England September 13th. Shamanad Madonna have begun football practice while most South Florida teams have withstained. Games can begin as early as one week from today. Inter-Miami is scheduled to play Nashville SC Sunday at 8.30. Inter's previous game was not played in protest to social injustice. And now after a long week, we've all learned it. Let's take a step into the day spa. <sighs> a Minnesota man has broken the record for tallest mohawk measured at almost 45 inches tall. We call that punk rock pretty. Sanitation workers at Flathead National Forest in Montana recently drained a porta potty to find a poop soaked phone. To their surprise, it still worked. What? First, let the phone go. Second, who decided to touch it and try to see if it worked? Ugh. German police recently responded to gunshots at an apartment. After kicking the door down, 
They found it was just a fat man sleeping in front of his TV that was playing a loud action movie. Ah, tax dollars going to good use. In an attempt to curb public urination, Amsterdam has placed plant pot urinals. Basically, you pee in a green urinal set up around the city, and your waste goes to a tank that fertilizes cannabis. Meh, problem solved. Now on to weather. Tonight's forecast, cloudy with temperatures in the mid-80s. This morning, an interesting one with the Joe Rose Show. Everyone was in the house, Joe Rose, Zach Krantz, but Hollywood taking a day off, so no worries. My girl Jay Fig stepped in, and she had an immediate impact. Also, they find out what's going on with the Washington football team. NFL and social justice is discussed. And finally, Bilicek, man, he just keeps possibly picking them up. All right, Friday, we're going to talk to Mike Florio from ProFootballTalk.com. Good morning, Mike. How are you, buddy? You know, in all the years I've been coming on this station, and it has been more years I can remember, this is the first time <laughs> the bumper music has been anything other than You're a little tired of that, aren't you? We figured, you know what, no, G- have I'm a just, gin. I'm just noticing. Yeah. It's the, yeah. I, it's, you know, I, I'm not going to feel right now. It's part of my Friday routine. <laughs> I'm going to have to go find that music online or something and listen to it. I'm well, sorry, I it? can play it right now. Right. Mike, go ahead. Put nice, it in sir. there. Put it in there, Jen. Put it in there. He does. That, that, that kind of hits home for him right there. Let's do that. <laughs> I would just figure you'd be happy that we had Jen call you this morning and not Danny. I, I actually, I, I, I'm just kidding. I don't need to have the music, and then it's going to start playing as soon as I say that. Right, yeah, I, right, I thought that uh, I, I, I didn't. That, that also knocked me out of sorts. Uh, right. You know, I'm very, very, very much a creature of habit. So you guys have left me discombobulated on Friday morning. <laughs> don't worry. Hey, listen, the other guy needs some time off. He's been. He's got a little three-year-old that is full of energy and a wife working at home so he got a little time off man to go with the boys and get fantasy football teams and drafts all put together so he's uh he's ready to go hey by the way speaking of that you're not you don't have time for fantasy football draft do you tell me you don't have a team we've had a team in our family since 2006 i remember having tony romo snatching him off of waivers when he replaced Drew Bledsoe, who was benched during the 2006 season. And in all the years that we've had a family fantasy football league, I've never won the damn thing, which is just <laughs> horrendous. I mean, there's only 12 people in it. We've done it more than 12, leagues, uh, 12 years. Sooner or later, the law of averages suggests I'm going to win the damn thing. I think I've been in, like, the championship game one time, and then we have another league that, that we do. Uh, i got a group of guys. We, we get together and watch the games on Mondays and Thursdays down in my barn, and we do a league there as well. And, you know, I haven't even thought to set up the draft this year. I really haven't given it much consideration, and I saw an article in the Washington Post earlier this week that people just aren't as interested in fantasy football as they've been in the past. And it's really not a surprise. we got so much other crap to deal with right now. You know, just as Sean Doolittle of the Washington Nationals said in July that sports is a reward for a functioning society, I think giving a crap about fantasy football is part of that reward for a functioning society. And we're not functioning right now in many ways. And I think more and more people are less interested in fantasy football this year. That's a, that's a good call. Speaking of that Washington situation, there's no way they're going to they're gonna push Daniel Snyder out with all the stuff that continues to come out, right? He, he's going to be the owner. They bitch, but nothing's going to happen, right? But, but guys, I, I don't get it. Right. You've had 42 different people, 40 employees and two outside reporters, all female, 
who claim they were sexually harassed while working for Daniel Snyder's team. The Washington Post report that came out on Wednesday implicates Snyder in two specific instances. One, he allegedly said to a team cheerleader back in 2004, hey, we have a hotel room upstairs. Take my friend up there and get to know him better. And then there was this creepy, skeevy video that was created from outtakes of a cheerleader calendar shoot, which Larry Michael, the former VP of entertainment and chief broadcaster for the team called the good parts or the good bits. And they burned that onto a DVD or put it on a VHS tape for the, for the owner right now. Look, that's all been denied, but how do you not properly investigate that? It's astounding to me that the NFL is deferring to the investigation that Daniel Snyder initiated last month. He hired the investigator. I don't care who that investigator is. You are not independent if you are bought and paid for by the person you are investigating. It undermines the credibility and legitimacy of the investigation. The NFL is going to defer to that investigation. I hope there's more going on behind the scenes than what meets the eye because what meets the eye is not good. And we've seen the NFL conduct independent investigations time and again. The Saints bounty scandal, independent investigation. The Richie Incognito, Jonathan Martin situation. That was the first time we heard about Ted Wells in the NFL. The Deflategate situation with the Patriots, outside investigation. When Jerry Richardson, the owner of the Panthers, uh, ultimately forced to sell the team after multiple settlement agreements came to light based upon things he allegedly had done, they got an outside investigator to come in and look at it. I don't understand how the NFL can justify not getting an independent investigator to look at everything. And there was a letter sent yesterday by a law firm representing more than 12 former employees urging the NFL to do the independent investigation and telling the NFL our clients will not cooperate with a team hired investigator, but will cooperate with an investigator hired by the NFL. It seems, it seems better. You know, it seems like that's only fair at this point. Well, it's, it's, it's it's inexplicable. It's inexplicable that you would not have an independent investigator here because you, you never, I, I mean, this isn't the best metaphor possible, but it's the one I'm thinking of right now. The fox is paying for the investigation of the hen house. That's what's happening. Right. And, and you can't do that. I, I, but the NFL is doing it, right? And I don't know where the NFL's attitude is. We've got enough crap to deal with right now with COVID-19 uh, and just trying to put a football season on. So we'll go ahead and we'll take the heat for this. We don't care. We've got bigger fish to fry. Regardless, how hard is it to say we're finding an independent investigator who's going to come in and handle this? And uh, they need to do it. And, uh, and more and more people are banging the drum to do it, and hopefully they will. How far away are the Chicago Bears going to uh, distance themselves from Brian Urlacher at this point after his comments? And Matt Forte coming back and shooting back at Brian Urlacher. A little bit of a disaster for the Bears organization when it comes to Brian, right? Well, that's right. And the Bears, to their credit, issued a statement last night saying that he doesn't speak for us. This is not our values. This is not our opinions. And he needed to, they needed to do that. Look, I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. I saw what he put on Instagram. It was a weird comparison. Uh, the, the invocation of Brett Favre playing after his father died. And, and this, this, this constant, and, and look, I know it's polarizing, but I don't think it should be. The idea that regardless of what you have done in the past, regardless of what you are accused potentially of doing, that, that does not justify anyone who has a license to carry a firearm to act as judge, jury, and executioner and use that lethal force 
in an unnecessary way. That's what this is all about. When you go back to the things Colin Kaepernick initially said in August of 2016 to explain why he wasn't standing for the anthem, that's what he said, that there is police brutality, there is excessive force, there is inadequate training of police officers before they're given that gun and expected to make real-time decisions about when and where to use it and when and where not to use it. And, and, and we continue to see the manifestations of that. And, and to make this about, well, Jacob Blake was a bad guy. And, and uh, it, 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 look, it's a bad look for Brian Urlacher. At a time when the NFL was standing up in unison to effect positive change, and I encourage everyone to go read the statement issued by the Ravens yesterday, and I think every team in a copycat league should copy and paste that statement and issue it on their own letterhead. Uh, you know, the NFL is united in an effort to try to improve this situation and solve this problem. And it was stunning that Erlacher came out looking as, as uh, uh, you know, as, as stupid, frankly, as he does. Mike, you just hit, I can tell you our text message is right now full of the same, same kind of stuff about, you know, Jacob Blake and his track record and things that he's been accused. We got people saying he raped somebody and he was going for a knife and, and uh, yeah. And it's like he wasn't. You know, but, but where, where was the knife? Where was the knife? I mean, he I don't was, know. He was, was it on the floor? I don't he know. got shot yeah. seven times in the back. I mean, how can we not, as reasonable people, look at that video and not be horrified? We, how, how does that that thing in our gut, that little visceral compass that we have, that tells us what's right and what's I wrong? Agree. How yeah. do human beings look at that? And and tell me if I'm missing something. How do we look at that and see it and say, "Oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. They do what they had to do." H- how? I don't, well, I, well, how do you justify question. unloading your clip into the guy's back when he's getting into a car with his kids in it? Uh, Mike, I am dying to you see know, with this investigation. The video, no matter what, I said this too, like the video of a guy getting shot in the back six or seven times, whatever the amount was, is just a bad look. I don't care. and Like, it, it's a really bad look. One, one incident that kind of got lost in the shuffle because it was so close in time to the George Floyd murder, the killing of Rayshard Brooks in Atlanta. When he got the stun gun and he ran away and he pointed the stun gun back and they, they shot him in the back as he was running away. Someone was on one of the cable news channels and made an excellent point. It's, it's not like a helicopter was going to emerge out of nowhere and whisk him away to Kathmandu. They knew who he was. They knew where he lived. You, you can go. If there's someone who's suspected of a crime, there are ways to catch up to him short of killing him on the spot if he's potentially getting away. That's what is astounding to me. And is it inappropriate for us to expect that the individuals among us who have been given license to carry and to use firearms be expected to be more judicious in their resort to what should be the absolute last option in any given situation, regardless of whether it's a man, a woman, a white person, a black person, a brown person, whoever is, is in that setting, should we not demand that the people among us who are charged with protecting us w- would, would, would wait until it's absolutely the last available option before using that weapon? Hey, hey Mike, I, I want to ask you about another one. I'm, I'm wondering, we're a couple weeks away now, actually, from last night's Thursday night, first Thursday night football game, and coming up two weeks for, from Sunday for, for everybody to play. The NFL commissioner who's, who's been out there and doing a lot of different stuff, you feel like commissioner and owners are all on the same page going forward on, on everything? Because this Jerry Jones thing, is he's been kind of playing both sides. And how's this all going to play out with all the owners? Hey, it's going to be a hell of a moment Sunday night football. Cowboys at Rams christening a new stadium with no fans present. 
and we'll see whether or not any of the Cowboys take a knee during the national anthem. Look, you cannot reconcile the comments of Roger Goodell that he made to Emmanuel Acho in the digital series, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. It was a two-part interview. The NFL touted it. They retweeted it on their Twitter firehose of 30 million followers. They sent an email to all of the employees in the league office urging them to watch it. And Roger Goodell made it clear he supports players protesting during the anthem. He understands that it was never about the flag. And he said it's not at me that people will say that it's about disrespect of the military, et cetera, when players choose to peacefully protest by taking a knee during the anthem. And then you've got Jerry Jones, who's trying his damnedest to thread a needle where the needle keeps getting smaller and the camel keeps getting fatter. And just yesterday, Stephen Jones was asked whether he agrees with Roger Goodell. And he didn't say yes. Now, he didn't quite say no, but it was a situation where anything other than yes means no. And if you listen to what he said, it's clear there's a disconnect between the Cowboys and the league office. If the commissioner is truly in charge of the league, he needs to call Jerry Jones and say, knock it off. Right. When I speak for the NFL, I speak for all teams. This isn't just the league office's position. This is the league's position. And every team needs to be on board with this position. And hey, Cowboys, quit trying to fashion a compromise. There is no compromise. We are the compromise. We are setting the policy. We are setting the precedent. Stop trying to get your players to choose to not protest during the national anthem. And Jerry Jones is going to be on radio again in Dallas today, or at least he's scheduled to be. It's going to be interesting to see whether and to what extent his tune has changed from Tuesday to today, because a lot's happened from Tuesday to today. Yeah, Mike, uh, Bruce Arians in Tampa made uh, comments the other day that says, I don't know that protest is an action. Uh, basically just take action and not protest. Is he getting heat for that in Tampa or around the league? Well, there are some people who are saying, look, protest does make a difference, and protest is action. And, and you know, I, I think his point is we can only talk so much and nothing's going to change. It has to be more than just talk. And that's why I recommend reading what the Ravens posted. The, the Ravens said demand an arrest of the, the killers of Breonna Taylor in Louisville and an arrest of the, the individuals who shot Jacob Blake and demand that Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, take to the floor uh, legislation that is aimed at reforming the police system, taking away qualified immunity, which is that safe harbor that, that police can reside in to avoid accountability for those moments where they literally shoot first and ask questions later. So uh, that, that, that's how you turn words into action. And we wrestled with this yesterday on TFT Live. Where is the finish line to this effort? There, there is no moment where we arrive and say we've done it, right? We only get there when we're able to say, you know, five years out, hey, you know what? We haven't been horrified by a video of police officers shooting an unarmed black or brown man in the in the past five years. Hey, that's amazing. You know, like, I, I don't know. And so that's why I think they need to have tangible goals, you know, when there is one of these incidents, justice is served, that laws are changed to make it harder for these things to happen. There isn't going to be that clear, bright moment where we can say we've arrived. It's going to be something where through the passage of time, we look back and say we've taken the small steps necessary to get us to a point where these kinds of justices don't happen anymore. Real quickly, too, speaking of Baltimore, Mike, um, Earl Thomas, a very strange story coming out to, to let him go and and everything that's been said, and we find out he's been, and uh, some of the things that take, does he get picked back up? you expect him to find a home here real quickly or no? The fact that he's still available five days after he was cut 
by the Ravens tells you he's no longer an elite safety. There's been some debate about that. He's no longer a top 10 safety. He may be middle of the pack at best right now. And when you throw all the other baggage on top of it, before anybody would sign Earl Thomas, you need to find out what happened to him in Seattle, what happened to him in Baltimore, why did it fall apart in Baltimore, why was there basically a mutiny against him on that defense and in that locker room. I was told over the weekend, guys who never say anything about anything were saying, we got to get this guy the hell out of here. So before you would sign Earl Thomas, you need to understand that completely. And I almost think he needs to be in a situation where he's on the market and he's unwanted and maybe he kind of humbles himself through that process and that makes him more likely to whenever he gets another opportunity do what he has to do and not not repeat whatever problems arose in other cities that that caused him to wear out his welcome and you know through it all i keep coming back to bill belichick i i i could just see that you know if if thomas is there and he's there and he's there and he's there belichick swoops in with a bargain basement offer like he did with Cam Newton. Now, Cam Newton was available for very different reasons, but I could see Belichick do something like that. Once he's sufficiently softened up to fully and completely accept the Patriot way, he could be wearing a Patriot uniform. Mike, why, you, why you always have to say that? Like, we're doing nice, it's Friday, and you got to put, like, uh, New England Patriots will get him, he'll get his second win, they'll get him right. on the cheap and have a Pro Bowl year back there with all those veteran guys. You know, Mike, Mike sounds Mike. like a lot of the uh, you know, hurt Dolphin fans down here. That's exactly what happens when something like that happens with any player. You know, Wes Welker us. Right, right, right. Mike, uh, i got a real quick question for you. Do you expect any of the kind of protesting or not practicing or even canceling games to happen going forward? Have you been hearing that from well, around the league or people around the league? I think the fact that the NBA is going to return this weekend is, is huge for the NFL because I think the NBA is, in, in many respects, setting the tone for the rest of, of sports, even though it was the Lions who were the first ones to shut down this week. I thought there was a COVID-19 outbreak in Detroit when I heard they had canceled practice on Tuesday. And then uh, you, know, you come to find out that, that what actually happened was they were canceling it because of the Jacob Blake shooting. But, but still, I think with the NBA going forward, the NFL goes forward, but we're always one new cycle away from that next video that is going to increase the volume, increase the intensity. It's a long way from Labor Day to Super Bowl Sunday. We saw George Floyd. We saw Rayshard Brooks. We saw Jacob Blake. Breonna Taylor happened a month or two before uh, George Floyd. Uh, do we really think? I hope we can get through five months without another incident. I hope we can get through five years. I hope we can get through 50 years with another incident like that. I, I'm, I would not wager that, that we're not going to see one of these videos in football season. And the question is, what's it going to do if it lands in the middle of football season? Will there be a shutdown? Will there be a walkout? Will there be teams that don't practice on a Wednesday, a Thursday, or a Friday when time is of the essence to get ready for a football game? So, you know, football coaches this year, they, 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 of all the things they're dealing with, they've had another issue that's been added, and you could argue it's the most important issue of all, although with the pandemic, I'd say they're co-equally co, uh, important issues that, that football coaches are trying to deal with. But, you know, there, there are plenty of reasons why we could see football games not happen this year, and uh, I can't rule it out because we're just one video away. The, the, the next moment where uh, basically the sports world could stop and uh, there could be some games that are missed. That is a full rundown of the NFL from Mike Florio on the Joe Rose Show. No one gives you football coverage like the Joe Rose Show in the morning from 6 to 10 on weekdays. And with all that being said, please let us have some football. And if we do, all the Dolphins and Canes games will be covered Right here, pregame, postgame, whole game on 560 
the Joe. If you're saying, please, I need some Dan Levitard, you're going to get some Dan Levitard with Kim Tim Kirchin next, talking about the Marlins-Mets situation yesterday and then the Mets debacle oh, once again. That's about five minutes away. Plus, it's a feel-good Friday. Got some good reggae music to rejoin for you here on the Best of the Joe Show. Welcome back to the Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard here on 560 The Joe over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day on Twitter at Dan Day Radio, and I'm trying to help you have a feel-good Friday. Some reggae music, man. From Warrior King, Ja is always there. Try to play you some good reggae music on a Friday to help you drift off into the weekend and feel extra good. Gonna make you feel real good right now with the Dan Lebetard Show. They are joined by Tim Kirchin, the baseball expert, talking about the Marlins Mets situation. Hot mics! And then they play a little game of Looks Like. Tim Kirkshin with us now. Uh, we were talking about the Mets, Tim, and everything that happened yesterday. So what's true? As statements are sent out, what does Tim Kirkshin, fact gatherer, know to be true about that situation? Well, fact gatherer doesn't know much about this situation, so I'm going to take it at face value that Brody Van Wagenen identified the wrong guy and blame the wrong guy for this. Now, did Jeff Wilpon step up and take take it, uh, take the heat for him? Maybe that happened. I don't think so. I think he just got it messed up, and then he messed up, and then he got pounded by the two guys who hired him. Is there a lot of precedent for what you saw there? A double statement from both Wilpons ripping their own general manager and misspelling his name? Uh, not much precedent, no, Dan, especially after the general manager apologized. But apparently that wasn't enough. They had to tear into him anyway, misspelled his name twice. No sympathy here for Brody Van Wagenen, but it just again speaks to Dan how poorly that organization has been run. I have a buddy of mine, greatest Mets fan ever. He loves them so much. He watches every game. And he texted me and said, this is the most Mets thing ever. He's been, cover- he's been watching them since 1962. So that's how strange that was last night and how how botched that was last night. But, Timmy, I think you're headed down the right path where perhaps the Wilpons would be willing to take that on behalf of Rob Manfred as they try to sell the team and probably need Rob in their corner, no? Yes, of course they need Rob Manfred's help. So, of course, they apologize to the commissioner because they're all in this together. And, of course, they, you know, they jumped on their general manager who probably deserved it anyway. But it was just such a surreal scene that, it happened, GM apologizes, owners blast him, and here we are the next day. And it all followed such a wonderful tribute last night. That's what made it even even worse. I know that the Mets have been a laughing stock uh, for a variety of reasons since 1962. 
But can you tell me or tie uh, the Madoff losses to when the Wilpons became sort of a small market Mets team? Or is there not a fair tie between those two things? Well, I think there has to be a tie, given how much money they lost in that and how embarrassing that was and how traumatic that was financially. But I don't think you can tie it all to that. I've been told there's been a culture of coddling in that organization for a long time, and they just don't present things properly, deal with things properly. Matt Harvey, for example, and I think that gets them in trouble more than anything else. But the Madoff thing certainly didn't help at all. Do you think that Brett Brown looks like he plays piano in an upscale cigar bar and absolutely does not take requests. Does Quinn Snyder look like he talks loudly on a Bluetooth while standing at a urinal with one hand on his hip and his tie thrown over his shoulder? Does Ed Orgeron look like the guy who will make a copy of your keys at Home Depot? Or does he look like the guy in the picture of the barbecue restaurant, plastic bib around his neck, knife and fork in his fists, face covered in sauce, wearing a crown that reads, I ate the whole hog? Does Adam Silver look like the... Does, stop interrupting me, please. Does Adam Silver look like the bishop on a chessboard? I'm not at the number one seed yet. I have not gotten to the number one seed. I will give you what I believe to be the number one seed at the end of this uh, segment. Uh, Tim, from the last week of baseball, uh, what are the things beyond the social justice? uh, You know, I was surprised to see baseball make a stand of any sort there, Tim. That stuff usually doesn't make its way over to baseball or does so very slowly. But from the last week, what are some of the interesting things for you? Well, I was really interested in the the passion from Dom Smith. Maybe that's not the, the answer you want here. Maybe I've misread. But that guy is as playful and as fun-loving as any guy in the game. He's really smart. He really gets it. We put a microphone on him this spring for one of the games we did from the booth, and he was hilariously funny. So he truly understands how all of this works. And to see him that passionate and that upset about everything. I think that's why we demand listening to him and to others, because that was a powerful moment from a kid who knows how to have a good time, but also knows this is more serious than people think. Does Stan Van Gundy look like the disgruntled high school teacher tricked into reading the name Mike Roch on his attendance list? Does Pat McAfee look like the tow truck driver who shows up to change your flat tire and says, too bad your girlfriend isn't with you, she could have changed it for you? Does Brad Stevens uh, look like he can include a lifetime oil change if you buy a minivan, but he's going to have to check with his manager first? All right, you ready? Is everyone ready? This is the one suit. Are you ready? I don't know if you guys are ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Does Adam Silver look like what's left after you blow the fuzz off a dandelion? (laughs) (laughs) Save that. I'm not sure. Does that get a one seed, Mike Ryan? Is that a one seed? You oversold that. 
Yeah. I loved it. Did you break your glasses laughing at that? I did. I broke my glasses (laughs) laughing at that. The glass just came out of one of the eye sockets. (laughs) Tim, thank you for being on with us. We appreciate it. Okay, guys. (laughs) See ya. I have to say that last one is pretty, 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 pretty good. Same thing with Tim Kirchin. Best at baseball, and no one loves going on the Dan Levitard show more than him. No one loves Hawk and Crowder more than I do. They're on vacation, so I'm happy for them because that means that Dono, J. Fig, and myself get to fill in. So next, we're going to touch base with Andrew Ivins. The Canes football team recently got a commit from a huge recruit. That's about five minutes away, plus Feel Good Friday. Got some reggae music for you in just a minute here on the Best of the Joe Show. This is the best of the Joe show running back. Some of the best audio you've heard here on 560 the Joe over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day and ever striding to give you a feel good Friday so you can feel good going into your weekend and keep those good vibrations going. So what I do on Fridays, try to play some of the reggae music that I know and love. Maybe not always the most known reggae music, but reggae music nonetheless that'll get down in you. And make you go, ah. So here is one of my new finds. His name, Taiwan MC. Let the horns bun. Not burn. Bun. Some instrumental feel-good reggae. Taiwan MC, let the horns bun. You got to say in that patois, not burn, patois, bun. Yeah, doesn't that make you feel good? A skanking beat like that. Get you going into the weekend. Hopefully it'll remain sunny. You can get some stuff done. Maybe get out to the beach. Have a couple of brewskis. Smoke, whether with your right hand or left hand. Just kind of enjoy the weekend. Stay safe, too. Absolutely stay safe. Hawk and Crowder, they're staying safe today. So safe, they didn't even come into work. That's right. They took the day off, and that's all good, though, because my man, Alex Dono, and I, along with Jay Fig, got them covered. They'll be back on Monday. No worries. I'll miss them, but we, we got it going on. So earlier today, Dono got all stoked up because the U got another huge recruit. So they're already giant recruiting class. So he called in 24-7's Andrew Ivins to discuss the big recruit, the big recruits, the strong recruiting class, and Southern High School football, how it's going to move forward from here. So I'm very vocal in my support of University of Miami football. It's my alma mater. Even before I went there, I've rooted for the Canes my entire life. So I get a lot of hate from the plastic UCF fanboys who don't realize that college football has been around for more than like the last three years. They're pretend national championships. I get a lot of hate from the Gators fans. I got a lot of hate from the Florida State fans. The bottom line is, despite Miami coming off a poor season, every morning I wake up 
to tweets from Andrew Ivins about another four-star recruiter, a five-star recruiter. It's amazing what Manny and his staff are doing, Manny Diaz and his staff are doing for this class of 2021. Andrew Ivins, Kane's insider for 24-7 Sports, joins us now. Andrew, we got another one, my friend. Before we dive into the latest in recruiting, how have you been, sir? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm just ready uh, for this weekend to get underway. What about yourself? Oh, I, I'm doing very, very well. You know, just keep it busy, doing shows when I can, chasing the two-year-old around, all that good stuff. So, you know, the the latest four-star to sign up to play for the Canes is Chase Smith, athlete. You know, I understand he's probably going to be playing the striker position, correct? Yeah, he's a guy who does a little bit of everything uh, at Palm Bay Bayside High School, which is up there in the in the Melbourne area. You know, some schools, from what I, I was told, like Oklahoma, view Chase as a wide receiver at the next level. Other schools, like LSU, think maybe he's a safety. Uh, Miami thinks he's potentially like a hybrid linebacker, so he's going to be that um, striker for them. But I think this is a, a big uh, get for Miami as Manny Diaz looks to keep stacking athletes at all levels on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and it's um, obviously these are the types of players that, that Manny wants. They fit, you know, his defensive formation, or I guess we can now call it Blake Baker's defense, but it's, you know, it's the Manny Diaz model. It's it's a big departure from the Al Golden years. So, you know, you can, and I guess it makes sense when you're talking about speed, you know, Manny is going out of his way to get these versatile, fast, athletic guys. Yeah, Alex, I mean, think about it. Miami this season is going to face probably two of the top quarterbacks in, in college football with UNC Sam Howell and Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. And, you know, Chase Smith isn't going to go up against those guys. But this league, being the ACC, uh, is just, has good quarterbacks. There seems to be more and more uh, arms, talented arms emerging at different schools, and everyone's kind of running a spread attack. So when you spread the field out, you need better athletes uh, on the defensive side of the ball uh, at everywhere, basically. And I think Chase is a guy who can get it done at multiple spots. So it, it's big that Miami got him. And more importantly, they, they keep him away from Florida or Florida State and, and some of these SEC schools. Are those, when you mentioned those schools, are those the other candidates that the final decision came down to? Like he, he chose Miami over whom? Was it the schools you mentioned? Yeah, you know, it, it was Oklahoma. I think Auburn was in there, Georgia. I think what most people don't realize with Chase is his dad actually played tight end at Miami um, back in, in the 80s, uh, had a brief stint in the NFL, was an All-American, uh, Willie Smith. And, you know, usually in most cases, that kid would be a layup to go to his dad's school and follow dad's footsteps. But more and more in recruiting, I actually just did a, a story on this for 24-7 Sports. Uh, a lot of NFL stars, they don't follow dad and go to the same school. So uh, the fact that Miami is able to get Chase Smith uh, is, should be considered every bit of a big win and, and not like some breakaway layup. You know, Andrew, uh, I, I, I'm even having a hard time keeping track of all these 2021 commits because they, the quality has been coming in fast and furious for the last several weeks. And so how does that class look as a whole? And of course, I always offer this disclaimer because if I don't say it, all the, the Seminole fans are going to text it to, to the show that, yeah, okay, 2021 commits. You know, It's not set in stone. You always have to wonder if someone changes their mind last minute. But from what we know now, how does Miami's overall class for 2021 rank and look to you? Right now, uh, after Chase Smith 
committed last night. It moved up to number eight in the country, according to the 24-7 sports composite. And that combines all the recruiting services. So ESPN, 24-7, Rivals, that, that factors it all into an equation and spits that number out. So right now Miami's at, at number eight. And, and how good is number eight? Well, uh, it, there's plenty of studies out there that that show if you want to compete for a spot in the college football playoff, you need talented players. And if Miami, what they have right now, I think this is the type of class that can get Miami into that national championship conversation on a consistent basis. And we've seen it, uh, spurts of it here, here and there. I mean, last year, what Manny Diaz was able to do in that 2020 class was pretty impressive. Uh, There were early reports coming out of of uh, preseason camp are, are that guys like Don Chaney, Jalen Knight, and those, those two freshman running backs, I mean, they're, they're expected to play this season. And, and those guys were really highly ranked recruits. So that's why stars kind of matter. And uh, I think if, if Manny can stack what he has committed now on top of what he got last cycle and then piece together another uh, good class in, in the, in the 2022 cycle, then you've got three, you know, good waves of kids. And when you can piece all those guys together, you have, you have a ton of depth. And the other thing I'll say about this 2021 group, I was having this conversation with one of my colleagues this morning. Like, I think what Miami has committed right now would be considered a good class in the SEC. Actually, probably a really good class in the SEC. So uh, there's a ton of talent. Um, there's a lot to like. And I think there's uh, multiple kids that have a chance to be all ACC players for the Hurricanes. What's it been like covering college football and and high school football now during a pandemic? Like how much how much if any media availability has there been and and what's the latest on high school football in the area as far as like when and when guys can practice and teams playing and all that good stuff? I mean, it's uncharted waters and I think you could say that about a lot of things in 2020. Uh, in terms of the college, everything now is, is Zoom meetings, and that seems to kind of be the standard in the NFL as well, but just across all conferences. I mean, no longer are you going to campus to interview student-athletes or coaches. It's all done on Zoom. Hopefully that isn't a trend that sticks around long-term, but that's just the reality. In terms of high schools, I, I was out at Shamanadon uh, Madonna Prep earlier this week. You know, the Florida High School Athletic Association gave the green light to schools uh, in the state to start practices on Monday. And Shamanadon Madonna Prep, uh, they're, they're a private school. They're one of the only ones that decided to practice. So I was out there and, you know, they're enforcing social distancing. I had my temperature checked. Uh, kids are wearing masks. It's just a different time. But I think so many of, of those kids, and really all the, all the kids down here, are just excited to be close to football and, and about to play football. And from what I've gathered and kind of heard through uh, the rumor mill, it seems like uh, Miami-Dade and, and Broward counties, they're going to give the, the public schools the, the okay here to, to start practicing in the next couple of weeks. So I think we're going to get some games at some point. When exactly? I don't know. I do know that Shamanad Madonna Prep, which has uh, four Miami commits, including running back Thad Franklin, uh, they're going to play next Friday, and they're going to play Champagnat Catholic. That's the school that produced star defensive end Greg Russo. That's going to be the first game in South Florida for for the 2020 year, uh, and it's the 3A state champ against the 2A state champ. So that's going to be pretty exciting. 
So, you know, we were talking earlier, Andrew, about, you know, the, the limited capacity for games up to 13,000 fans. Um, Julio Frank announced today that uh, there are going to be no students allowed, at least for the first two games, because you've seen some, you know, some of the COVID numbers going up among the student population. Uh, no alcohol served in games. I think that, listen, all of that is it's fair in the time that we're living in. I don't think anyone should complain too much. And if you don't want to go to the games under those circumstances, you know, stay at home, drink your beers there. But what about media, a Andrew? Is is it going to be like limited media capacity? What are you expecting from covering games? I don't know. I was listening to some podcast a couple of weeks ago. Will Brinson, who does a Pick Six podcast, which is an NFL podcast, and he had some writer on explaining how if you're an NFL beat reporter, you might only go to your team's home games this season, and you might not even be allowed in the press box. And it kind of clicked to my head, like, oh wow, things are going to be different. And then the NFL came out and said that there's going to be no mascots or cheerleaders on the sideline. I don't know what's going to happen in college football. I think they're going to grant access to some people. I think field access is going to be very limited, but I, I get it. I mean, it sucks, but, you know, I, I think we all want to watch some football and you want to talk about some football. I want to write about sure. some football. So whatever you got to do to get it done, uh, I'm here for it. Yeah, I, I completely co-sign on that. Uh, great stuff. You want to check out his work at 24-7 Sports. He's Andrew Ivins. Follow him on Twitter at Andrew underscore Ivins. Thank you so much for the insight, man. I know that there's been a lot of buzz for these Canes commits. To be able to have a guy like you to talk about it is much appreciated, sir. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, you, you too, Alex, and thank you for having me on. I just thought about this. What would you rather? The Canes vying for a national championship, the Dolphins playing for a Super Bowl, but no one can go to any of the games, no fans, or your team being, but you can have a stadium full of fans and you can go to all the games. I'll take the championships. You've been a champ today. You've been a champ this week. You earned it. I hope you feel good. I'm about to get out of here. At Dan Day Radio on Twitter if you have anything for me. This has been the best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.